0: If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Maybe you're familiar with the New Testament, familiar with the Christmas story. Uh, Luke chapter 2 is one of those main places where the Christmas story is told. We're going to spend our next four weeks in this chapter, um, hopefully looking at some things that will be a blessing to you. This opening illustration, you can take it or leave it, all right? Uh, Last night, my wife and I introduced our youngest, Maddie, she's seven seven years old, to the great Christmas movie, Home Alone, (laughs) all right? So Macy's certainly seen it, and Molly has certainly seen it, Maddie had never seen it. She sat close to mama and sometimes close to me. She wasn't so sure what to do with the bad guys. But if you know the story, little Kevin McAllister has been accidentally left at home alone while his parents and his brothers and sisters fly off on Christmas vacation. He's left there all alone. And it gets worse for him as some two robbers there in the neighborhood... Realize that so many people are out of town, that they're going to take advantage, break into these homes, and steal what they can. But they didn't know what they were up against. They were up against little Kevin. As I thought about the sermon that I want us to look at this morning, and I thought about that movie last night, those were some very frustrating circumstances for little Kevin. Now, at one point in the movie, he kind of liked the fact that he was left alone. He's jumping on the bed, and he's eating ice cream and doing all kinds of stuff. But at the same time, he missed his family. And had you asked him, I think he would have for sure said, I would love to be with my family rather than to be here all alone. Some frustrating circumstances. But God was sovereign. You can laugh. Over those circumstances. The bad guys were caught, and the bad guys went to their judgment because of these very unfortunate and frustrating circumstances for little Kevin. This morning in Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at the story of the birth of Jesus. Verses 1 to 7. One of the abiding truths of this little story is how God weaves together His great purposes for history and His great purposes for His people through the oftentimes frustrating, disappointing, and inconvenient events of our lives. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, That a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and was with child? A baby was to be born in Bethlehem. Seven hundred years prior to these events, the prophet Micah. Micah chapter five. Oh, wait a minute! There, oh, there it is. Had it on the wrong page. 700 years before, the prophet Micah said this, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Little Bethlehem. This would be the place where the Messiah would be born a baby is to be born in Bethlehem but if you know the story our baby is in the womb of his virgin mother Mary 75 to 85 miles north of Bethlehem how are we going to get this baby in his mother's womb down to Bethlehem in order to be born How are these miraculous and massive purposes of God for history and for his people to be brought about? How will God fulfill his wise purposes? The answer, through a very frustrating decree of a pagan Caesar Augustus. Can you imagine Joseph? He's a young guy mary is a young gal they have been betrothed at this point some believe maybe they've even legally been married and yet they have not consummated their marriage yet The book of matthew tells us that he took her as his wife while she yet remained a virgin and she's about to burst i mean the day is coming And all of a sudden, a decree goes out that he has got to go back to his ancestral roots, 75, 85, depends on who you read, maybe as the crow flies or as you go around Samaria. It's a long way by foot. He's got to go south all the way to Bethlehem to register for a dadgum gum census in order that rome can take more taxes and with his betrothed about to pop he doesn't want to leave her alone and so he's going to take her with him how frustrating are these events this is the wrong thing registering for a census for taxes At the wrong time, when your wife is about to burst. In the wrong place. Dozens of miles away. I wondered if I was on the right track. I do this every once in a while, having prepared my sermon and come into my office on Sunday morning. This is one of the greatest gifts of my life. Those of y'all know that I... Spent many years at Denton Bible Church with Pastor Tom Nelson. He's one of the great heroes of the faith to me. And as I left Denton Bible Church back in 2001, 2002, and headed to Arkansas, I met him for breakfast. And I told him before the breakfast, Tommy, I want one of your Bibles. And he gave me one. And to have one of his Bibles is really cool because almost on every page, he has his notes Of having studied through the Bible that year. And sometimes I'll open up on Sunday morning just to see if there's a gold nugget or two to see if I'm on the right track. And in this particular passage, he really only notes one thing. And it's right above, well, on this page, it's right right up top, above verse three. What a nuisance! What a nuisance! Dad, come, we got to go to Bethlehem. How frustrating. How inconvenient. What a nuisance. And yet maybe on their way? Maybe on their way to Bethlehem? Maybe it was Mary We know she was soaked in the Old Testament from earlier in chapter 1 when she heard that she was going to bear this baby who would be the king of Israel and her song of Mary, her Magnificat, is just quotation after quotation of the Old Testament. Maybe halfway there she said, Joseph, maybe Joseph had been grumping the whole way. (laughs) Hey Joseph, Think I got it. Micah chapter five. God's purposes are that this baby is to be born in Bethlehem. We weren't even thinking about it, but lo and behold, God is working out His purposes through this very frustrating. Nuisance of an event. Along with others, I believe this is one of the abiding lessons of the Christmas story. You and I get frustrated often, don't we? Events don't work out in our life as we might hope. God's plan is to conform you and conform me to the image of His beloved Son. Sometimes we wish His plans were different than that. But His desire is for us to become more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And His desire is to work in us and through us in ways that we cannot imagine for His glory For our good and even to the blessing of others. And yet, so many times, life and the circumstances of our lives just don't seem to be adding up to that. Frustrating circumstances, discouraging circumstances. Maybe it's an illness, maybe it's joblessness, maybe it's a relational tension. Could be a thousand different things. The wrong things are happening in my life at the wrong time and in the wrong place. And yet, God is accomplishing His will. I thought about some of the things in my life over the years. A lot of times, most of the time, we can't put these connections together, right? God is, I believe, providentially involved in every moment of our lives. He's working out his plans through everything he decrees to happen for us. Sometimes along the way, I think he lets us see some of the connections. It might be years later. I think back to the fall of 1990, playing high school football for the Plano Wildcats. We made it to the quarterfinals, and then we got beat by the Marshall Mavericks. So frustrating so discouraging so inconvenient to my hopes and my plans for our team and even for my life but it was that loss and it was that win for the marshall mavericks that saw their head coach become the head coach at the university of north texas i had had a good game even though we lost And that led to a half scholarship that led to a full scholarship for me to go to a school that I had never thought twice about. And to get connected to Campus Crusade for Christ and Denton Bible Church and the ministry of Pastor Tom Nelson, to hear of Dallas Theological Seminary that I'd never heard of until until then, absolutely changed the course of my life an event, a circumstance that I would have gladly done without. I think back to relationships that didn't work out. And I am so glad. One of them, one of them I was so hopeful for, took her on a date down to Dallas. It was pouring down rain. Gas tank was on empty, but I'd been on empty plenty of times and made it where I wanted to go. On the way back from Dallas to Denton, it is pouring down rain. And in the providence of God, I ran out of gas. And I had to walk a quarter mile down in the pouring down rain to get some gas and come back. And she had to help me put gas in my car. We didn't go on another date after that. The providence of God. That was a frustrating deal. I, I, you know, I thought maybe this, I liked her. So inconvenient, so frustrating. And yet God was working out his plan. When we were in Jonesboro, Arkansas, little Macy, our firstborn, was two and a half years old. She started to have seizures. Who wants their two and a half year old to have seizures? How in the world is this going to work out for good, right? And through the midst of some doctor things that didn't go so well, but then boom, some opportunities open up. Macy ends up at Laboner Hospital in Memphis for a 24-hour EKG. The very same night in Memphis when Prof. Howard Hendricks from Dallas Theological Seminary, y'all hear me quote him often, is speaking at an event in Memphis. Same night. We end up at Le Bonheur Hospital. He's speaking across town. We had some friends coming up from Jonesboro, one of Tara's friends and one of Macy's friends. And so I'd been there all day with. and I said, hey, Prof is speaking across town. Lindy and Kate are coming. I'm going to run across town. Tara said, great. I went over and I heard Prof. Went down at the break, said hello. And as I'm leaving, a guy grabs me. He says, Mitch, you don't know me. My name is Dwight Morris. I'm a I'm an oral surgeon here in Memphis. I was here in Memphis two months ago when you taught your clarifying the Bible deal. Now, some of y'all know my clar. that was the very first time I'd ever taught it. And he said, I think we should do something with that. And some things worked out over the next several months and 10 years later, that thing is still bearing fruit. I got a call two days ago of a guy who wants to get 300 copies of it and use it to train pastors in Kenya. That's just one of the little things that came out of some very frustrating, inconvenient, nuisance of a thing of Macy. Nobody wishes that upon their child. I think of God putting unrest in my soul ten years ago about my role in Jonesboro. Macy was then four, Tara was pregnant with Molly, and here I am about to go quit. God, what are you doing? Providentially, that ended up with us moving home to Plano at a time in my parents' life where they absolutely needed us, and it led us here where we've been over ten years On the surface, we look at the events of our life and we just... Uh. And yet we have to believe that God is at work in and through those circumstances. It's the doctrine of the providence of God, that He created all things, He sustains all things, and He guides all things to their appointed. end God has a plan a good plan for His children. And along the way, in the working out of His plans, things can be frustrating and hard and difficult and painful, but we trust that He is masterfully and wonderfully in charge. Sometimes we'll see it. Most times we won't. But we trust I think also maybe to build on this just a little bit, that some of life's most simple and maybe obscure moments are packed with an amazing punch as well. Verse 6 and 7. While they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end, I don't know if it's without fail, but in the good handful of commentators that I looked at this week, I think almost every single one of them used the word simple. This baby, if you wanted to turn back in chapter 1, when the angel appeared to the Virgin Mary and told her that she was going to bear this child, He said in chapter one, verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Wow, there's the expectation. And then here's his birth. So simple and obscure. A little young girl from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In an animal room of sorts. It could be a cave as well. Born and placed in a feeding trough. How simple and how obscure. But this is the Savior of the world. Another one of the lessons of Christmas is that even the little things of life, the simple, obscure things, God is using to accomplish His purposes. My favorite Christmas hymns is, O little town of Bethlehem. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. So here's a little town, little bitty Bethlehem. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, I think what that means is it's nighttime. Everybody's generally asleep the silent stars go by it's just a quiet night just a regular old dark starlit night in little Bethlehem. yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Kind of put these two together. I can make up my own, and you could make up yours. That that football game was played at the old Texas Stadium in Irving, oh little town of Irving. Yet. Yet. God is accomplishing his purposes. Oh, little I-35, where I ran out of gas and, and put that relationship to an end. Yet, God is working out his purposes. Oh, little town of Jonesboro, where seizures, yet... What's your little town? That little town, that little event, obscure, simple, maybe even surrounded by and made up of circumstances that you just don't understand and frustrate the stew out of you. Yet in the midst of that, God is at one. Accomplishing his purposes for his people. Tara got a text just yesterday from a couple doors down to our left. Miss Carol, she passed away. And her two daughters texted Tara to tell her and to thank her for all of the little things that Tara would do for Miss Carol. Simple, obscure stuff that Tara did and that you do. Mamas changing those diapers, reading those stories, praying those prayers. Guys getting up every morning and slugging it out. Those little, obscure things. Coming home and getting down on the floor and playing with those kids. And you're thinking, What difference is it ever going to make those little things, those simple things, those obscure things, those sometimes hard things? God is at work accomplishing his purposes. Y'all have heard me quote this song many a time. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, God fashions up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Deep and unfathomable minds. It's down there, deep, and we can't see it. It's frustrating. It's discouraging. It's a nuisance. Deep and unfathomable minds of never-failing skill. God's in it, and He's got all the wisdom and all the skill you'd ever need. He fashions up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense. We can do that, can't we? We look at the circumstances of our life and we judge the Lord by our feeble sense. God, you're doing it wrong. You, you're doing it wrong. This is the wrong thing at the wrong time and the wrong place. You've messed up. If I were in charge, God, we wouldn't do this thing at this time in this place. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a shining face. Behind a 75-mile trip south with your pregnant wife, to register for a gum census to pay more taxes to Rome. God hides a shining face. We're going to fulfill the hopes and fears of all the years in that moment. We look back, on some of the things in our life and we get some clarity. Every one of you could probably tell a story of some hardship that you would have never chosen and in the moment was hard, but God used to do something you'd never imagine and that you're so very, very thankful for. And that's good. That's what I've been doing all morning in this sermon, but my hope is that it will give us hope. As we look back, it will give us hope for today and for the frowning providences that may come our way in the future to trust Him, to realize that He's at work weaving together something beautiful in its time. Let's pray. Lord I pray for my brothers and sisters here I know some frowning providences that are going on in so many of their lives some frustrating inconvenient hard nuisances some of them deep some of them painful Some of them dark, with no light shining. Would you sustain them? Would you hold them? Would you comfort them? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them faith? Trust you, to cling to you, to never let go, to endure. And oh God, may your light shine upon them. May they know your goodness in the midst of it. May they trust that you're working out your sovereign will. Maybe you'll give them glimpses of it in due time. Maybe we will have to wait. They will have to wait. But oh God, we need your strength. We need your help. We worship you. You are the sovereign God. Nothing happens Outside of your sovereign will. Even the heart of Caesar Augustus was in the hands of the Lord. You turned it as you wished. You are great, you are mighty, and you are full of love and goodness to bring about your wise purposes for history and for us, your children. Help us to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Think of Joseph, who, when faced with this frustration, obeyed. Help us to do the same. Help us to be faithful. And we will pray this for your honor and your glory. Amen.